0: Hey, y'all. This is Sam's i Betty. This week on the show, producer of NPR's Embedded, Tom Dreisbach, and Curbed Urbanism
1: editor and L.A. Podcast co-host, Alisa Walker. All right, let's start the show.
2: Hey, y'all from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Happy weekend. It feels like the short weekends are always the longest weekends, no?
0: The short weekends are always the long? short weeks rather. Sorry. <laughs> like, I'm so what, tired. What day this holiday it? week yeah. just has thrown me off. It's always weird. I mean, an extra day Is 50% more weekend Like yeah. that's a lot Of extra weekend And yeah. then it's a short week I don't then know Then you so- gotta come
2: in And make uh, everything fit Into one small work Yeah with. that's true
0: This
3: is my birthday week though, So <gasps> I got You know
1: It was good Happy you know. birthday Thank We you. should say again Thank you Welcome to
2: my guest One of who just had a birthday Here with Alyssa Walker Urbanism editor At Curbs And Tom Dreisbach Reporter and producer For the NPR podcast Embedded Glad you both are here What exactly Does urbanism mean?
3: <laughs> it just means Looking at cities as an entity something to study so whether it's transportation policy uh, housing policy looking at people living together in mm-hmm. close areas and okay. if that's good or bad or yeah it can be both
2: it can be both we are joined here uh, in studio uh, by Lizzo who's having a very very good week <laughs> She has a song that everyone's heard called Truth Hurts. It just hit number one this week. And I'm playing it because it has like a weird backstory. Oh. So this song just hit number one in September of 2019. It was first released in September of 2017.
0: Wait, really? Yes.
2: Yes. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. It's been out for two years. The song kind of just lingered in the ether for a long time. But a few months ago, it was in a Netflix rom com called Someone Great.
0: I had never even and heard after of the it was Netflix, Netflix rom com.
2: So, this is a great week for Lizzo, but it's also a weird week for Lizzo because she is being sued over one of the lyrics in this song. For me, the best line in the song is when she uh, talks about taking a DNA test.
1: I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100%. Damn
2: Fun, happy lyric. Um, Someone is suing her saying, I had the meme first. I had that (gasps) line first. Um, This singer named Mina Lioness, this British singer, says that she first tweeted that phrase in 2017 and that Lizzo didn't give her credit. Lizzo says, I didn't steal it, but this other singer is mad because now Lizzo is trying to trademark the phrase. (gasps) Yeah.
0: I'm mad at both of them. (laughs)
2: I could never be mad at Lizzo. Oh, that's true. Okay. Could you be mad at Lizzo?
3: No, absolutely not. It's
2: impossible. No. Anyways, either way, congratulations, Lizzo. I'm 100% into Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <That's a> terrible heart.
2: <laughs> We're going to start the show as we always do. Asking my panelists to describe their week of news in only three words. Alyssa, because this is your first time here on the show, we're going to let you go first.
3: I have three words. What are they? Light bulbs, cheeseburgers, and straws.
2: That's the most Mad Libs three words I've heard on the show yet. (laughs) And I love it, and I want you to explain it all to me.
3: All right, so I'm assuming you all watched... The seven hour climate town hall this week. Did Why are you laughing? Why are
0: you laughing?
2: It's so long um, it was long.
0: I was it was very long. Did I think you... climate change advanced in the span of those seven <laughs> hours. It was so long. You had to watch it, right?
3: I had to watch it. We've been reporting on it at Curbed, and this was the biggest tweeted moment, I think, of of the entire seven hour marathon. And this seven
2: hour thing took place on CNN. This was was on it CNN. Wednesday?
3: Yeah, and they give ten candidates who are the top qualifying candidates uh, about thirty minutes to answer audience questions, and then the moderators, uh, who were different CNN anchors, kind of peppered it with their own questions. Uh So, um, Chris Cuomo asks Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. this question about if she would like force every American to switch over to these energy efficient light bulbs because the Trump administration has just announced this rollback of a policy that would basically require everyone to start using LEDs and compact fluorescent bulbs, which are mm-hmm. a big deal. It turns yeah. out it actually could yeah. you know save a lot of energy and yeah. prevent a lot of carbon pollution. And she just smacks him down.
2: Really?
0: There are a lot of ways that we try to change our energy consumption and our pollution. And God bless all of those ways. Some of it is with light bulbs, some of it is on straws, some of it, dang, is on cheeseburgers, right? But understand this is exactly what the fossil fuel industry hopes we're all talking about. That's what they want us to talk about
2: So is the this thing is that Warren have- was pointing out was that like the straw debate is a distractionary tactic Perhaps
3: a straw man I would say no. but yes it's, it, okay. the straw with well, the straw debate has no place in a climate forum it has nothing to do with With climate change, (laughs) so then why is
2: everyone? (laughs) They
3: kept talking about. They asked like Kamala Harris to like demonstrate drinking out of like a paper straw. Yes, it was like. So
2: is the thing that Warren was pointing out was that like this focus on the individual is actually distracting from what could change things the most, which is collective action on a larger, wider scale involving these big corporations. I
3: think mm. I think her answer was really good and that's was was really a, a good point, you know, and what we've also learned about the fossil fuel industry just including the fact that they have downplayed the science and actually actively tried to promote these ideas that plant a tree is going to save everything, you know, and, mm-hmm. and when trees are great and very important, Love a tree. but it's actually <laughs> fossil fuel industries that yeah. are the problem. And
2: so I want to talk about your beat. You cover transportation. And right. You were talking with us this week about how in the same way that there are distractions about the real causes of climate change, one of the biggest culprits is a thing that no one wants to talk about, which is how everyday people transport themselves from point A to point B. Cars it, and planes, right?
3: Car, Well, not even planes. It's really, really just cars. Okay, I mean, tell pla- me. Planes are small. So if you look at the breakdown of greenhouse gas emissions emitted by the United States, um, uh, 29% is transportation. Whoa. A large majority really? of that is just cars. Cars, just our passenger private really? vehicles. And in a state like California, oh my God. it's even more because we've, we've cleaned our grid up so much that it the cars are making an even bigger impact on mm-hmm. our, our climate emissions.
0: I mean, I guess the question is how much do we individually bear responsibility then for changing that when... In, especially in a place like California or in any kind of rural place in the you country, like how else are you supposed to get around? I mean, I, there are other options in Los Angeles. I shouldn't.
1: All
3: right, so let me blow your mind. Tell again. Okay, tell um, <laughs> me. One third of trips taken in this country, so mm-hmm. a trip is just every time you yeah. leave your house, yeah. are three miles or less. Really? Even in Los Angeles, this holds true. Mm. It's every time you leave the house, you're probably going to go a short distance, a short enough distance that you could maybe walk or bike or take transit. And at the time difference is you know, a big deal. Right. That's what's yeah. going to change people's minds about yeah. what they're going to do. Yeah. But if your city allowed you to do it, if your city helped you, if your it. city, you know, prioritized yeah. mm. this.
2: Well, and, and, and this is what's interesting, particularly in a place like California, we have seen the Trump White House uh, fight things like stricter auto emissions laws, while California has said we want them and the car companies have said we want them too. In the midst of mm. this kind of gridlock, Where can action on this stuff really come from? Does it come from the cities and states? Will it ever come from Congress and the White House? What is the most likely? Path for change here?
3: It has to be both. And it has to, it's clear that cities can't do it on their own because a lot of oh, them locals have hate been, it. Yeah, Locals, <laughs> well, they don't want well, that, that, that bus lane.
2: They don't want that bike yeah, lane. Yeah, you need to
3: kind of manage, but you need to, yeah, you need the federal funding to say, you know, we're putting, you know, a trillion dollars into sidewalks. And on the other side, you do need to have the leaders at the city level that are staying, that are standing up for these changes and saying, I want to give people more options. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to prioritize yeah. cars.
2: Do we end up with a system that is just patchwork across the country to address these things. You know, eventually California's doing one thing, Wyoming's doing one thing, Alabama's doing something else, and that's what it is?
3: We did something once that was on a national scale. What we was it? Um, we, we built the highway system. We built the federal did. highway, federally funded highway system that Cut through our cities and have caused very uh, poor health outcomes for kids who now have asthma and higher rates in yeah. those inner city neighborhoods. So, if we could honestly reverse that, we would solve a lot of problems. And you put in high speed rail between the cities that, you know, you talk about people in rural areas are not able to maybe. Uh, transition to public transit and or, you know, ride a bike as far distances. So you can fill in the gaps with things like high speed rail and regional Mm. rail. You undo all those decisions to put freeways to the middle of our cities. You're going to take the 405
2: away? Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like
3: 10 monorails just going back and forth.
2: Listen, if you could get rid of the 405, I would vote for you for president.
3: (laughs) I I will put that on the top of my list. It's not not that strange of an idea when you look at what other cities and other countries are doing um, who have decided that this is more important.
2: Tommy D, (laughs) you got three words? I do. Now everyone listening knows my nickname for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, Sam. Oh, yeah. Uh, So from one intractable problem to another one, uh, (laughs) my three words are instead of follow the leader, Uh the leader follows. Ah, which leader? Majority leader, Mitch McConnell, okay. Senate Republican from Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Um, he, last month in early August, after the shootings in El Paso and in Dayton, Ohio, he did something kind of surprising, mm-hmm. which is he came out, he was on a radio show in, in Louisville, mm-hmm. and he said that he was going to take up gun control legislation.
4: What we can't do is fail to pass something, you know, by, by just locking up and failing to pass. That's, that's unacceptable. What I want to see here is an outcome, uh, not um, a bunch of partisan uh, back-and-forth uh, shots across the bell.
0: Okay. So that's what he said in early August. Gotcha. This past week, on Tuesday, he was on Hugh Hewitt's show, mm-hmm. and he sounded much different.
4: If the president took a position on, on uh, a bill so that we knew we would actually be making a law and not just having Uh, serial uh, votes I'd be happy to put it on the floor and the administration is in the process of studying what... So
2: he basically said I'll only put this up if I know Trump will sign it.
0: Exactly. What happened is that in the meantime you know Mm -hmm. in early August President Trump was saying we're going to have smart background checks. We're going to talk about this. We're going to make something happen. Which was surprising. And then he had a phone call with the head of the NRA, Wayne LaPierre and they were against... Essentially, most of the proposals floating around, including enhanced background checks. And so President Trump changed his tune. He's now against most of the gun control proposals out there. And Mitch McConnell is in this position where he said, we can't do nothing but... The president now is not on board with gun control.
2: What does this say about Mitch McConnell and what he wants and what his strategy is?
0: Mitch McConnell is a party guy. Okay, And he is up for reelection 2020 in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And the thing to know about him is he is a very unpopular senator in his own state. His approval rating is below 40 percent is in the mid 30s even
2: as he is the most powerful man in washington dc
0: he's among the most powerful people in the country maybe the world wow and he is not popular in his home state but donald trump is incredibly Uh, popular in kentucky uh. and they're both on the ballot in 2020 and part of mitch mcconnell's strategy for winning reelection is binding himself as closely to as as closely as possible To the president Mm. because he is hoping that though you might not like me, Mm. you like the president, and I'm the guy that's getting the president's agenda passed.
2: So, in that political environment, who in the GOP is actually in charge of setting the terms of the gun control debate? The NRA, the president, or Mitch McConnell?
0: Well, if you ask Mitch McConnell, it's the president, Hmm. and all of the debate will flow through the president. If he endorses something, Mm He will follow that. Mm. And so if President Trump did want gun control, he's actually in a unique position to push it and change that gridlock. Hmm. If he were to be the president that said, we are gonna pass universal background checks, we are going to consider an assault weapons ban, he could actually, I think, given his popularity with the Republican Party, he could actually push that through. Because his
2: base will never leave him.
0: His base will never leave him. And I think that's why you saw someone like Mitch McConnell say, oh, yeah, we'll consider this, when before he never would have considered it.
2: And Tom, you know a lot about Mitch McConnell and what he wants because your show has been covering him extensively. Talk about that.
0: Yeah, we've been doing a long, deep dive into Mitch McConnell's career and his political rise from his time as a small Uh, Local official in Louisville, Kentucky To the Senate majority leader uh, Which is one of the most powerful positions In Washington And he has done that while being Kind of a boring figure In certain ways (laughs) Um, But he ends up like When you dig into his career He actually has had a fascinating arc That kind of tells you a lot about How politics has changed in this country
2: Podcast is called Embedded A lot of episodes all about Mitch Go check it out What's the name of the series?
0: Mitch. It's just called Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't come up with anything better.
2: On that note, it's time for a break. Coming up, we're going to talk about another intractable problem, Brexit. (laughs) Um, If you think you're confused, trying to follow the latest twists and turns over there, imagine actually being in the UK right now. After the break, we'll cross the pond. I shouldn't say cross the pond. It's such a cliche. I'm saying it. After the break, we're going to cross the pond and talk to a real live UK resident and ask her what it's like to live through that political game of thrones. Real live? Real live. (laughs) You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. We'll be right back.
4: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. With a franchised network of highly trained agents and advanced marketing tools, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services network members aim to provide something more than just real estate. They think beyond the next transaction and build relationships based on your long-term goals to ensure you'll get all the value that home brings, year after year, home after home. All that more they do, That's home services. Start your home search at berkshirehathawayhs.com. Support also comes from BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment at your convenience. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit betterhelp.com minute to learn more.
3: Starting college can be overwhelming. Everyone from
0: almost every background has that fear that they got in here by accident.
3: That's scary. NPR's Life Kit is here to help make your freshman year a little easier. Listen to NPR Life Kit's new guide on college, Or subscribe to Life Kit Guides for all the episodes, all in one place.
2: We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here in studio with two guests, Alyssa Walker, urbanism editor at Curbed. I love that job title. Thank you. And Tom Dreisbach, reporter and producer for the NPR podcast Embedded. I have a question for you both. Mm. Would you describe yourselves as optimist or pessimist?
3: I'm I'm an optimist. Okay. I have to be. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: I have two children. Okay. (laughs) Cautious optimist. Okay. I would say.
2: I am a pessimist wrapped in an optimist sheep's clothing. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh. Why are you? Why are you deceiving us, Sam? My inner monologue is very (laughs) much like a sad Jerry Seinfeld.
3: (laughs) You're like a turducken.
2: Yes, Um, a turducken of emotion. (laughs) What's the deal with this news? Basically. Anyways, I bring this up because there is a new study which finds that if you're an optimist, you'll live longer. The Washington Post wrote all about it. I'm going to I I will quote The Washington Post to you now. Uh, They said that these Boston area scientists found that the most optimistic people live an average of 11 to 15 percent longer than their more pessimistic peers. Do we That's that? a lot. That's a lot.
0: I don't know. Is it self-fulfilling, right? Are you a pessimist because your life is terrible and you die younger? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but like, or are you optimist because you have Cause good you, health oh, and yeah. so you're happier yeah. in general? <laughs>
2: but bright side, if you aren't an, an optimist already, uh, there's good news from this study. They said the mindset is about 25% hereditary, which means you do have some control over it. Hmm. So uh, you can walk yourself to a more optimistic future
0: if you want. Is this like the secret, Sam? I basically, yes. <laughs> Wait, it literally said
3: walking?
2: <laughs> well, not it's, walk. Sorry. That was me. Really... I mean, I was like. Emotionally I, I think, that, that, is, emotionally I think walking. that is actually true. Well, walking is, sure, is for sure good for the environment.
0: How did they do this study? <laughs> Skeptical. Come on. Next season, sorry. unembedded. <laughs> sorry, I'm pessimistic about this. Study. <laughs> you are
2: pessimistic about this study. Speaking of other things to be pessimistic about mm. Brexit.
3: <laughs> it should always be said like that.
2: Brexit. <laughs> it's such a mess. It's such a mess. So this week, lawmakers voted to block the new Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, from pulling the UK out of the EU without a deal. So now the UK is even further away from a clean exit than it was already. It was so dramatic, so complicated, and so heated. Here's just a bit of tape about what British politics sounded like this week.
1: Don't gesticulate. Don't rant. Spare us the theatrics. Behave yourself...
2: What is in the water over there? Order. (laughs) Order. I love when they stand up and just start yelling. It makes me
3: so sad that our Congress is not like that. Right?
2: (laughs) I I would enjoy it for five minutes and I'd be like, stop it, y'all. Stop it, y'all. So anyways, Brexit's getting crazy. It's been crazy. I'm not going to try to explain the back and forth to you. (laughs) But what we're going to do right now is talk with someone who can tell us what it feels like to live through this. It is time for our segment, Long Distance. We call someone up in this segment from around the world and ask them how the news is affecting them this week. Today, we're joined by Elizabeth Cox. She's a substitute teacher who lives in London. Hi.
1: Oh, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. So
2: I asked Elizabeth to tell me, to the best of her ability, what in the world is going on over there?
1: Uh... Uh, yeah, I. Uh, this is a really good question, and <laughs> if, if anybody could answer it, that would really help. Um, I think most people I know have just kind of given up, oh, and given up kind of trying to engage. Like pretty much all of August, I just didn't bother reading any news; just wow. avoided it.
2: So you are a substitute teacher. What grade do you substitute mm-hmm. teach?
1: I do everything from um, nursery, so like three, four, up to um, like year six here. So it's like 11-year-olds pretty much. Oh, so that, like, that's the like sweetest thing. All all the primary.
2: Yeah. What in the world do you tell your students about Brexit when they ask you about Brexit, which I assume they do?
1: Um, It depends on the age and it depends on their like, I can't. what I generally try to do is say, oh, what do you think? But a lot of the time it comes down to, well, you know, it's nicer that we're all together, you know, that all of the countries are working together. But if, you know, if that's not what's working best for one person, I try to bring it just to, like, their level of understanding, like, bring it to football teams or bring it to, like, class relationships. But I also, they're more aware of Roblox, um, Minecraft and, and TikTok than they are. Like, they know who Lil Nas X is. They do not know who... You know Jeremy Corbyn is, or it's probably better they, that way. <laughs> yeah, I think so.
2: <laughs> so, are there? I have this image in my head of like Brits in the cafe, in the bar, wherever, like fighting about this stuff, fighting over Brexit. Are there like public arguments and clashes over the Brexit insanity?
1: No, there there are there are clashes but there's more in in my like line of work there's more um just sussing out the room and there is there are those moments of tension mm. when someone mentions like where they've been on holiday or something like that like kind of trying to figure out how they stand on certain things and whether you can make that joke or not whether you can say oh we'll have to get a visa to go there next year or whatever whether you can make that joke or not mm. oh. and yet like here I am with teaching kids in school uh, yeah. and having to make sure they feel calm
4: yeah. um,
1: but also kind of you know buying more chickpeas in my weekly shop so that I've got a Brexit storage and having conversations in the staff room about how there was no fruit and veg in like certain like really? Tesco's and stuff S- and
2: so you're a Brexit prepper yeah Oh my goodness! It like
1: minimally, like on the yeah. low-key prepping, just low-key oh, getting a lot goodness. of pasta, a lot wow. of <laughs>
2: Wow! So, from what you've been telling me, it seems like because of all the insanity in the government right now around Brexit, you've had to kind of check out a bit. Do you think yeah. it's a good thing for UK citizens and residents? to say, I can't focus on this anymore? Like, should, in spite of the insanity, y'all be still paying attention a lot to it, <laughs> even though it's hard?
1: Yeah, we should be. Yeah, we really <laughs> should be. But I feel like the thing that's um, taken on that the anger and the, the activism has got, it's, it's more climate change. Because with climate change, I think people see that there's a maybe a way of, of helping or changing things. Whereas with politics, it seems so insurmountable because voting doesn't seem to really count.
2: Wait, I hear you telling me that people where you are feel like climate change is an easier problem to solve than Brexit? Yeah, pretty much. Are you surprised that it's gotten that bad? Like when the vote happened... Did you say, you know, whether you wanted to happen or not, did you say to yourself, well, the vote's happened, this is what's going to happen? And now, like, did you expect to still be mired in this muck and mire years later?
1: Mm. <laughs> no. I didn't, I didn't think it would happen. I didn't think that we'd still be talking about it.
2: You think it's still going to happen?
1: Uh, I didn't think that. I, I don't know. I, I don't even know if we will leave the EU or not, wow. even yeah. now.
2: If you could talk... To all of these politicians in your country right now arguing over Brexit, what would you tell them?
1: I'd say you need to act like professionals. This mm. is not a joke and it's not a way for you to look better. You look terrible and you aren't making anybody's lives easier, including yourselves.
0: Mm
2: when they finally figure out what they're going to do and who knows when that will be but like once they have like a final decision and a final plan how long do you think it will take for things to get back to normal
1: that's really difficult because i don't think that things can really Mm. i think there's been a, a break and a change and i think until gen z have have started a new gen a uh, I wow. think that this it's just going to sit there in consciousness, and it's going to be this this thing. It's it's an it's an open wound, and I don't think oh. that it's going to necessarily just get better.
0: Mm, mm,
2: mm. Well, hey, Elizabeth, I really thank you so much for talking with me. As an American following the saga, I can only imagine what y'all are going through, and now I understand a bit more. So you have my thoughts and my sympathies in this crazy time (laughs) in the UK. I hope you have a great weekend, Elizabeth.
1: You too, thank you so much.
2: Thanks. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks again to Elizabeth Cox, a substitute teacher in London, living through all this Brexit drama in real time. I'm back here in studio with my two panelists, not in London, but in Los Angeles.
0: Uh, What do we make of what she's saying? Just made me think, like, what have they been able to get done? In the UK, in the last three years since the Brexit vote, like this seems like all they've talked about for three plus years. Like, does anything else happen in the government there? Like, it just seems like we have a deal. We don't have a deal. We, we have, have a, a prime deal.
2: minister. We don't, we don't have a prime, prime minister. minister.
3: The part where she was talking about how you talk, you start talking to somebody and you have to read them really fast mm. to see if they agree with you or not. That I feel that way about climate change. I feel that way about guns. I feel that way about. Politics in general in this country, and it has made me really change the way that I make small talk with people in really? the last few years in a way that I have not done before. Really? Yeah.
2: I used to tell folks all the time, "We talk about politics. You need to." And now I'm just like, "Everybody, shut up!" <laughs> Everybody, shut up. <laughs> Anyways. It is time for a break. When we come back, we're going to lighten the mood with my favorite game, Who Said That? I'm Sam Sanders. You are listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR.
4: Support for this podcast comes from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age.
3: There's more to watch and read these days than any one person can get to. That's why we make Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Twice a week, we sort through the nonsense, share reactions, and give you the lowdown on what's worth your precious time. Listen and subscribe to NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour.
2: We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders, joined in studio with two guests, Tom Dreisbach, reporter and producer for the NPR podcast Embedded, and Alyssa Walker, urbanism editor at Curbed. You have a podcast too, huh?
3: I do. Tell folks what it is. I'm on cool. a podcast called LA Podcast. Okay. It's the un- most ungooglable name,
1: <laughs>
3: but it is about LA.
2: Okay. Then I will listen. I love LA. All right. It's time for my favorite game. Who said that?
1: that?
2: All right. This game is the most simple game, but also the most fun. Uh, I have three quotes from the week of news. I'll read the quote. You have to guess who said it or what story I'm talking about. Okay. The winner gets absolutely nothing. Wow. Although, you know what? I'm out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it for you all after. Uh, we had a listener send me some mail this week. I He or she. We had some initials, so I don't know. But they said, um, you always say that you have no prizes for who said that. Well, I sent you one. They sent a shot glass.
0: Oh. A little Bud Light shot
2: glass. So I will award it to the winner after we finish this game. It's at my desk, okay? All right. I'm back in. Yes. First quote. You ready? I guess. There are no buzzers. Just yell okay. out the answer when you have it. First quote. "G thanks. Just bought it. Shop our favorite trend ATM. Shop link in bio. Ariana Grande? Hey!
0: <laughs> that track class is going to be mine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that quote's from the retail chain Forever 21. They were quoting without permission the Ariana Grande song, Seven Rings, in some of their ads. Ariana had been talking with them about possibly licensing something she said no you aren't offering enough Forever 21 just did it anyway
3: (laughs) aren't they also like filing for bankruptcy there's
2: that so (laughs) they may very well uh, file for bankruptcy soon this is weird though I feel like the older I get all of the stores that were in the mall when I was a kid Mm. they're dying
3: well so is the mall
2: mall don't tell me that
3: (laughs) is Hot Topic still a thing it is (gasps) I think Hot Topic is doing well actually (laughs)
2: All right, Tommy D, you got that first one. Woohoo! Second one is here we go. Ready? Quote The curses and spells used in the books are actual curses and spells, which, when read by a human being, risk conjuring evil spirits into the presence of the person reading the text.
3: J.K. Rowling?
2: Close enough. It's the Harry Potter scandal. There's a scandal? There's a scandal. There's a Harry Potter scandal. Um, A school in Nashville, St. Edward Catholic School. They announced that now students can no longer check out the Harry Potter book series from their school's library. And that quote was from the Reverend Dan Rehill. He is a priest at that school. They are basically saying um, this stuff is like real witchcraft, real hexes. So we don't want that out there. To which I say, those Harry Potter books and movies have been out for a while. The spells (laughs) have been cast. It's a little late. Harry Potter, is the game tied? It is. The game is tied. Uh, This last one for all the marbles. Um, Oh, this is a fun one. Last quote. Ready? Okay. I've decided to retire and have my family. I know you guys are happy now. To my fans, keep repping me. Do it till the death of me. X in the box. Because ain't nobody checking me. Love you for life. Jeremy Renner. (laughs) We should have done that. The Jerry Mar as a app. sidebar, uh, listeners. If you want a fun roller coaster ride of a story, go read whatever happened to actor Jeremy Renner and his fan app. <laughs> it was hacked, but also shut down. <laughs> and also, I can't even really tell who Jeremy Renner is. It was weird, but it's not that. Sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, okay. Uh, someone retired uh, this week. Someone retired. Someone this announced
2: week. Their retirement this week. Famous rapper. A, a famous, famous rapper ra- oh, who was a woman. Oh, oh, oh Nicki Minaj. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, Nicki Minaj tweeted this week that she wants more time with her family, like she's a politician, uh, and <laughs> said <says> she's retiring. <laughs> Do we believe it? No. Me neither. Do you Not remotely. It?
3: She's worked hard, though. I mean, she's earned it if she wants to.
2: Yeah. I just feel like... She's feeling some heat. There are a lot of up-and-coming women rappers that are challenging her spot on the throne. Mm -hmm. I hate that we live in a world where rappers who are women are compared to each other. But there's been some drama. You know, she's had a little spat with Cardi B and some other ones. But, you know, I like Nicki. Stay in the game. I'll miss you if you leave. She'll be back.
0: (laughs) No question. She'll be back. And then we'll have the comeback tour. Which I'll go to. Yeah.
2: Tom. Yes. You won the
0: game. <gasps> oh my God. Congratulations. A Bud Light you get the shot, shot glass. glass. To
2: that listener, whoever you are who <laughs> sent that in, thank you for it. We only had your initials. Uh, but know that I got that letter and that mail and that postcard. I thank you. I'm sure Tom thanks you as well.
0: I thank you so much. Yeah. This, this is, is yeah. think of all the, the shots of beer gift. you can do
2: this yes. weekend. <laughs> uh, congrats, Tommy D. All right, that concludes Who Said That. Listeners, now it's time to end the show as we always do. Every week we ask you all to share with us the best things that have happened to you all week. We get a lot of submissions. We pick some and play them for you. Uh, Let's hear it.
3: Hi, Sam. This is Amy from Burlington, Vermont. As of this week, I have completed a goal to write down a highlight of my week every week for an entire year. And it's been a pretty good
2: year. Thanks for the inspiration.
3: Hey Sam, this is Trisha from Cary, North Carolina. And the best thing that happened to me this week was my husband Steve and I went to Roanoke, Virginia to celebrate his mom and dad's 94th and 96th
0: birthdays. The best part of my week is I got to call my first ever employee and tell her that she got the job. The best part of my week was leaving my job tonight for the last time.
2: I defended my doctoral dissertation research and I passed.
3: Hi Sam, this is Megan. My husband and I are leaving Australia today after two wonderful weeks. He's currently out taking photographs of kangaroos outside of our hotel room. It's been a blast. Hey Sam, this is Lori in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And the best part of my week is that after spending almost all of 2019 living in my parents' basement with my husband and my two-year-old and my baby and my dog and my cat, I just made uh, my bed in our very own house. Hi Sam, this is Janice from Denver, Colorado. A couple of months ago, my grandson said to me, Grandma, I want to sleep in the mountains. So I borrowed some equipment and enlisted the help of friends. And we had our first camping trip in the mountains. It was such a joy to watch a kid play in the dirt that doesn't like to get messy. And in the end he said, Grandma, when can we go camping again? Thanks. Thanks so much. And have a great week. Oh.
2: God bless the grandmas.
3: Listen that to all those so optimists.
2: It was. Yes. yes. They're People all gonna, gonna live, live a long, long life. A long it's that was
3: heartwarming. I
2: also love uh, the juxtaposition of job news. One was like, <laughs> I got to to give someone the job offer, and someone else was like, I left my job. <laughs> I love it. Thanks to all of those listeners you just heard. Amy, Trisha, Patrick, Jonathan, Sherrod, Megan, Lori, and Janice. Uh, keep those coming. We listen to all of them that come in. Um, you can send in your best thing at any point throughout any week. Just record yourself on your phone and email that voice file to me at samsanders at npr.org, samsanders at npr.org. Uh, We're going to go home, take it out of here with my favorite, Lizzo, and her song Truth Hurts, which just hit number one on the Billboard charts. After being released two years ago, congrats, Lizzo. Good things come to those who wait. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of good things, thanks again to my guests this week, Alyssa Walker, Urbanism Editor at Curbed, Tom Dreisbach, reporter and producer for the NPR podcast Embedded. So glad you both were here.
0: Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Really, really fun.
2: This week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman, Anjali Sastry, and Jason Fuller. Our fearless editors are Jordana Hochman, Alex McCall, and Kitty Isley. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. Our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grundman. Listeners, thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon.